Greetings and salutations, wrestling fans. Welcome to the Open Door Wrestling Podcast. I'm David. I'm also DJM. I'm joined by my co-host and tag team partner in wrestling podcastery, the physician of nuance, the Nashville ninja, the subtle doctor. Doc, what's happening? <laughs> you threw me off with that additional nickname. <laughs> I was not ready for that one. Oh, <laughs> that's very good. Uh, thank you. Um, well, you know, things are going well. Things are going uh, extremely well in Nashville, uh, apart from the absolutely disgusting heat wave. Uh, but I guess, as they say, like hot summer, hot wrestling. Uh, wrestling has heated up. Uh, it's gotten real good, real juicy as far as like rumors, scandals, uh, all sorts of stories and tidbits and great matches happening in the multiverse of professional wrestling. And we're not going to spend, I don't think, a single moment talking about uh, the blessed retirement of a horrible person from professional wrestling. We're going to skip right on past <laughs> Rick that. Ric Flair. On, yeah, to, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ric Flair, Flair too. <laughs> See you later. If we're being honest, Ric Flair too. Um, but yeah, Doc, I got to say, for me, this is just like a couple of days ago here in the Motor City. It was a dry, low humidity, upper 80s, lower 90s summer day. And I love that. This is that's the kind of day where I can sit outside and eat my lunch. It's a it's a dry 90 degrees. And I love that. And that is exactly what professional wrestling is right now. And just a couple of days ago and on the last episode, we were very bleh on wrestling at the time and doc i said it's wild how fast professional wrestling can can turn on its head and and bring you back before you would realize it i know it's it's it is pretty wild i mean we were going to record last weekend and if we had the tenor of the episode would be a lot different than it's going to be today and we're we're going to use the power of positivity, as some might say, and we're going to start off with our stock report. Now, for new listeners of the show, what we do with our stock report is that we pick things in professional wrestling that are happening that might be on the rise, we believe, might be time to sell. And then we pick our future stock where we look a little bit further ahead into the, the distant unknown. Uh, Doc, while I'm checking on my timer for my baked macaroni and cheese, why don't you go ahead and give us our first stock up? Uh, thank you, David. I will do that. So I could have picked this episode, the IWGP United States title, because that is a title that has been just neglected. Uh, cursed. Very much. I cursed. Cur well, it's definitely cursed. been cursed. Absolutely been cursed by horrible luck uh, of its, its champions, uh, injury luck, what have you. But also in terms of like it, the pecking order of the company has been you know, not really high has been kind of the lowest rung on the singles title uh, ladder, but uh, it appears to be on the rise. I mean, it's there's a real feud over this title between two highly pushed commodities in Juice Robinson and Will Ospreay. So that could have been my pick. That is not my pick. Um, excited for the future United States title feuds and hope that the belt 
like keeps going up in estimation in the company's eyes. But my pick is actually going to be I'm going to turn to the world of Joshi and I'm going to choose the big kaiju herself, Shoko Nakajima, uh, as a stock up. And, you know, Tokyo Joshi Pro super fans, um, this might not be that much of a surprise. You might say, oh, she's been great forever. And she really has. Uh, but uh, this is more of a kind of an alert for general Joshi and Pro fans because I think when a lot of people talk about Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling um, and talk about kind of the broad appeal of it and the stars that might kind of reach the hearts and minds of fans, they bring up uh, ladies like Maki Ito. Uh, they bring up um, the magical girl Yuka Sakazaki. And her tag team partner in the Magical Sugar Rapids, Mizuki. Uh, all very worthy uh, stars to bring up. Great wrestlers all. Shoko Nakajima is a better wrestler than all of those women. And she is currently the Princess of Princess Champion. She won the title once again this past March at their anniversary show, I want to say. She beat Miyu Yamashita, uh, the lady who's currently going for the AEW women's title. Um, and I, I think, you know, she's someone that people should give a look like her wrestling style, I think is tremendous. She's very, very fast, very decisive and her moves are very crisp and clean. And it's not really a, a wrestling style that you get all that much in that promotion. Um, so I, I think she's one of the two most talented ladies there. She's having a world title reign, so you can look for her in lots of main events. She just had an awesome main event with uh, Rika Tatsumi um, at, what was the show called? Uh, Summer Sun Princess a few weeks ago. That match was really great. Definitely worth your time. So that's my stock up. Uh, the Kaiju, the big Kaiju, Shoko Nakajima. The big Kaiju. Um, how would you describe, since you brought it up, how would you describe her wrestling style? Just frenetic. Very fast paced, again, crisp, snaps off, moves very quickly, lots of motion, uh, lots of speed. And yeah, just something that's kind of very different than a lot of the other ladies in the promotion, um, I think. So, yeah, I think she could definitely more of um what am I trying to say? She could be at home in the the high speed division in stardom. She could fit in there easily, no problem. Okay, okay, all right. Shoko Nakajima, the big kaiju, at four foot ten, the big kaiju. Yes, I love exactly, that. Exactly, that's very yes. good. My stock up. Uh, I originally said right at the pre-show that I had two, but I'm going to stick with just one. And and this came up very, very recently, last night even. And that's Lee Moriarty. I feel like Lee Moriarty, there was a lot of talk about what you might do with Lee Moriarty on the big stage in AEW. And... What I saw from Rampage recently was that he won a match against Dante Martin where he, finger quotes, accidentally rolled him up in an O'Connor roll and he says he lost balance and put his arm on the ropes for the pin to get the victory. 
accidentally. Mm. <laughs> However, comma, there was someone watching this match. And that was none other than Big Stoke himself, Stokely Hathaway. And as Lee Moriarty was leaving the ring, Stokely Hathaway offered Moriarty his business card. However, Moriarty declined. So it looks like Lee Moriarty may not even be kind of stuck in a ring of honor. It looks like he might be on his way to being the next client of Stokely Hathaway, which, as we've seen in AEW so far, that usually means you're destined for big things. So I think I think Lee Moriarty is on his way up, Doctor. Someone who's been in our futures slot before, Lee Moriarty. Um, I have to say, I, I did not foresee him being the next baddie. But but here we are. <laughs> um, no, I'm listen, uh, if this means I, so I haven't seen this rampage where this happened. I'm now you've made me very, very curious to go back and see this match now. But man, anything that that pushes Lee into a spotlight, gives him a bigger role. I'm all for. I mean, I, th- I think he's one of the, the brightest prospects that AEW has. I am completely agreeing with you. I was the one who was a part of the campaign to put Lee Moriarty in the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, They chose Wheeler Utah instead. That has worked out well for all involved. Uh, I was a little worried that Moriarty might have been lost in the shuffle, but it looks like they found something for him. And I like that. I like that a lot. And I think he's super talented and maybe a character change is what he needs to kind of freshen himself up in AEW. So we'll see how it goes. All right, Doc, this is the part of the show where we become a a wrestling podcast that buries people and we act like jerks. So now it's time for our stock down where we talk about something in wrestling that isn't exactly high on our list. So, Doc, I'm going to check my timer one more time, and I will let you go first. All right. Well, you can't push everyone, so somebody's got to do the J-O-B. And this week, my stock down. There's a couple candidates, again, that I could have chosen from. Uh, I'm going to save one big one uh actually i'm gonna we're gonna give it its own segment but this this might sound a little mean but i just i have to i have to call this out because i felt it was so egregiously bad pro wrestling noah we're gonna throw some flowers at pro wrestling noah later uh i'm also gonna be i'm also gonna be very upset at pro wrestling noah later um, but I just need to say that my stock down this week is the English commentary for pro wrestling Noah, uh, on wrestling mm. universe Fulton, Stu Fulton was there as usual. And Stu Fulton is tremendous. He is excellent. Like he is perfect, perfect for the promotion. However, Mark Pickering was absent 
And in his place uh, was very nice, polite Canadian uh, Mike Crowder, who just his commentary was aggressively fine, as the kids say. It was very flat. Uh, I did not really feel like he added very much to heightening the moments, nor nor did he like sort of give me more information uh, to add context to the matches. It was just very kind of there. And I've, I missed Mark Pickering and his style and his information a lot. Also, at a, a certain point in the show, the show I'm talking about, by the way, was the July 16th show, which we will discuss uh, more in depth uh, in a few minutes. But at some point, Rene Dupree got in and became the third chair. Holy ah. shit. He was terrible. <laughs> like the, some of the worst, like it was just like, so they would ask him, you know, like, so. Renee, like you're you're a wrestler. Um, you've been in the ring with this guy or that guy. Uh, what do you think? And and he says like, he's really good. <laughs> and then that's all you get. <laughs> just like mumbles. Doc. You can't hear him. Just nothing. Nothing happening. With I Renee. have a question for you and anyone out there that might be listening. And let us know at Open Door Rest Pod on Twitter, or let me know at Call Me DJM. Has Renee Dupree ever been good at anything in wrestling? <laughs> I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of wondering how he still keeps getting work. He had a good look when he first came into the Fed. He was 19. Yes. Yes. Oh, and he's still get. You know, he was recently uh, until the 16th. He was um, GHC uh, heavyweight tag team champion. With uh, El Hijo de Dr. Wagner Jr. So uh, they like him. Who is they not keep bad. bringing him over. What's that? El, El Hijo del Dr. Wagner is not terrible. Blaine Gabbert, not terrible. But <laughs> right, right. Rene Dupree has, I just, I see him and I'm just, I can't help but wonder what he's ever done of repute. Ever he he's they used to talk about Tom Zank back in the day, or <laughs> say just the most random, indistinct enhancement local guy you'd see on WCW Saturday Night. That's what I see when I see Rene Dupree. He's a guy that should have been pummeled and beat up by Arn Anderson uh, in a <laughs> two-minute match on WCW Saturday Night on the Superstation, baby. I just... Why, Rene Dupree? Why? <laughs> Listen, it's no less random than bringing in a 50-something-year-old Rob Van Dam to your promotion. <laughs> that this is so odd, random. Just is such an odd collection of foreign talent. Let's see, we got Chris Ridgway, El Hijo de Dr. Wagner, Renee Dupree, RD, RVD, uh, Simon Gotch, <laughs> Tim Thatcher. Who's just not bad? No, Who's no, no, not bad? Of, I think most of these people actually are not bad, and I think people like Thatcher and Gotch fit in well with uh, the Noah promotion and their kind of gritty style. But I agree with you. Dupree's a, a really weird one, uh, and RVD's a weird one, and uh, 
I, I think Renee should uh, definitely stick to the wrestling and not the talking about the wrestling. <laughs> maybe English. I know English isn't her first language, but maybe that was part of the problem. Maybe that's why. Oh, wait a minute. Is he actually French? So I he thought that was just from, a gimmick. <laughs> he's from Quebec. Okay. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. La Resistance was always from Quebec. Okay. Except for he, Rob Conway. Who's blatantly not? <laughs> what was the third thinking? wheel in the in the resistance? God, God what were they thinking? <laughs> My stock down is going to tie in to the comments that Doc is going to have about AEW later. Mm. However. I'm also going to disagree a little bit later in the show. But this time, right now, for my stock down, I'm going to agree. Because my stock down is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Whoa. (laughs) Is it just me? Or since winning the Owen tournament, Britt's kind of been lost in the sauce a little bit. She's been a little directionless. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm very, 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 very happy that other competitors in the women's division besides Britt Baker are getting a little more television time. Thunder Rosa, Anna Jay, Tony Storm, Serena Deeb. I can go on. I'm very happy to see them getting TV time instead of the AEW women's division just being Britt Baker, a.k.a. Roman Reigns. I'm very happy about that. But I understand that Britt Baker is popular. Britt Baker is most likely a draw to the audience. And since the Owen tournament ended, she doesn't really have anything going on, number one. Number two, is anything ever actually going to happen with her and Jamie Hayter? Like we thought that was going to go somewhere five, six months ago, maybe still in 2021. We thought that the thing with Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker was going to go somewhere and it hasn't. And we still barely see Rebel, who I love. She's so entertaining and she's barely around these days. So all of TM team DMD, I'm just kind of like, guys, what happened? I mean i'm not mad i'm not mad i'm more confused as to why brit has dropped rebel did throw a sandbag at at uh thunder rosa which was which was pretty <laughs> funny i have to say that was funny <laughs> it was extremely funny um yeah i mean i i can't disagree uh you know she like you said she won the owen and i have to admit like uh, during this sort of period after she lost the title, like to now, there were about six weeks or so when, as I talked about on the Forbidden Door episode, I was kind of checked out on AEW a little bit. So I don't really know what she was up to. I, I understand that like once a, a champ loses, it's probably good to kind of take them take them out of the spotlight for a bit, maybe cycle them down, give them something worthwhile to do. But it looks like she's, she's not back as long in the as Hikaru Shida though. I know, I know. Well, that's that was just. I mean, uh, we don't know what happened there, right? Was if there were, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna like assume in good faith that's that there was some sort of travel issue or something like that with Sheeta. Because surely, I, like, I would imagine 
it, it has to be that, right? I mean, it's because because uh, she uh, is go she is going back to Japan uh, on a more regular basis now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on the the TJPW show I mentioned, the Summer Sun Princess. Um, had a, a really nice uh, tag match, um, but. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. And it is, you know, I, a Brit looks like she's back in the big picture. How does she do on Rampage? Because uh, she and Jamie were in a tag, right? Did they, they were in a squash match? You know that thing I said about Britt Baker not exactly being my favorite person to watch? <laughs> okay, did you just skip that match? <laughs> I, I skipped it. And uh, okay. Doc... Okay. I, I just heard my oven timer, so I will let you give your futures. Okay, well, this is very funny because uh, I'm vamping and, and I have no futures here. Uh, but I will say that as far as the Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker thing goes, I suspect you know that they are on the Wardlow MJF timeline and that we won't be seeing anything drastic happen super quickly. Um, of course, that will be the perfect thing for Britt to do post-title loss is have a long feud with Jamie Hayter, make it personal, make it mean and nasty, have a match or two, have Britt go over in the end while making Jamie look good, gives Britt a nice win, then she goes on, maybe has one more mid-card feud with Tony Storm or something before she's back in the title picture. Uh, that's how I would kind of do it, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what Tony Khan does. I mean, it's clear that he believes in Britt Baker and he uh, really, really likes her and her abilities and what she brings to the table and, you know, her star power. So maybe he just thinks, hey, I can't have my star attraction out of the main event scene for too, too long. Uh, but at least, you know, we're, we're going to say some stuff about the division later. Um, but at least as far as like the booking goes, at least there are a few different storylines happening and a few different characters kind of moving forward. Um, despite there only being one women's match a show, <laughs> there are again, there are a number of storylines <laughs> happening, uh, which is good. So it's not just all about uh, Britt Baker every week. You know, I don't think you can make that accusation anymore. So that's fair. Yeah. Welcome back. Um, Thank you. I was just discussing uh, that Britt and Jamie could be on the Wardlow MJF timeline because I don't have a futures mm. pick this week. Uh, I could not think of one. Uh, I have not been watching many prospects. I've been watching a lot of, uh, shall we say, established uh, wrestlers in Japanese promotions these last the G one, the, yeah, the, the G one and the Noah, right. and uh, what happened? I was going to be watching the Battle of Los Angeles, but I was a lazy bum, so I do have a futures pick that I'm going to talk about, and I think this is one that has been whispered about and rumored about for. <clears throat> About two years, but I feel like I'm seeing more and more, and I feel like when this actually does come to fruition, it's going to be off the charts. And I'm talking about the eventual AEW Trios Championships. Hmm. 
Go the on. more I look at this, the more I see what they have. AEW has always had an emphasis on tag team wrestling and having factions. The ideas of wrestlers actually being friends and associates with one another, which other companies refuse to do. And I see so much potential for this. And every wrestling news outlet in the world has said that as far as the trio titles go, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when for all we know, the belts are already made and already ready. It's just a matter of time when the division actually debuts. I see the dark order kind of reshaping. I see ring of honor having Tully Blanchard enterprises. I see what could be the foundation now that Jonathan Gresham has turned again. And I see Sanjay Dutt, Jay lethal and Satnam Singh. I see the elite of course, because we're hearing word that the best bout machine might be returning to claim his top, his top position in AEW. And I feel like there's room for some really good trios action in the very near future. Yeah. Undisputed era. You got uh, the death triangle. You got best friends plus OC. There's so many natural groups of three that could give us some really interesting matchups. Um <laughs> I think this is great. I want to say Tony said that the belts do, in fact, exist, that he's actually made a lot of belts and he's just sort of waiting for what he feels like is the right time to debut them. And I think that's the most interesting part. It's just when will they happen? I'm just going to throw it out there. It'll be announced at all out in Chicago. Okay. Okay. I'm just throwing it out there right now. Didn't he say that – didn't he give some sort of like – like it would be on the Jericho cruise or after the next Jericho cruise? Now, who Mm. the hell knows when that will be given the state of the world uh, and, you know, various diseases continuing to (laughs) emerge and spread all over the globe but yeah i mean i don't know so uh yeah i mentioned that i'm that i'm going to two conventions in the next month hey (laughs) so fun i'm going to a professional wrestling show next weekend (laughs) nice oh man we're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna catch it from rick flair (laughs) Woo! (laughs) yeah Let's jump in now that we've gotten our stocks out of the way. We need to because we just can't help ourselves here on this podcast. Mm. Just when we thought we're out, pro wrestling Noah pulls us right back in. Damn it. Doc, I will let you take the lead on this one because this holds a special significance to you in particular. Well, we have been pulled back in, you were right, onto the the, the green arc via the, an emerald rope. We were we were snatched back up by Pro Wrestling Noah because we saw my man, the leader of Congo, Kano, in a GHC title match, and I thought I need to see it. I gotta find out what happens. Even though I feel like there's 
pretty much a zero percent chance that Satoshi Kojima is dropping this title. I mean, you just won it. They're surely building really? some kind of match with uh, Muda. Yeah, I thought there was. I thought this had like first sort of title defense written all over it. That he, you know, oh, solid. I, I genuinely felt. I genuinely felt it was going to be fifty fifty. Man, and, did and, you? And, and I will. T- <laughs> and I will tell you why. I, why I really thought Keno had a really good chance because. <laughs> As we all remember, Katsuhiko Nakajima got himself in trouble uh, at the at the last major show at the Budokan. The cyber and fight. I imagine that Nakajima was more than likely in line for a title match before mm. that happened. And who better to replace Nakajima than his faction leader, Kano? And I'm going to put my long-term booking hat on and say, I think that pro wrestling Noah by hook or by crook was actually making their way to book Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Kaito Kiyomiya for a major championship match at the Budokan until Nakajima got himself in trouble. So who better to slot in there than his faction leader, kennel and as i've said many many times for all of the angst and consternation about veterans and pro wrestling don't want to let go of their spot there are plenty who will always do business the right way um you have to be a special talent and a special human for new japan pro wrestling all Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah to put their top heavyweight championship on you. You probably have to have a lot of good karma and a lot of people trust working with you. And I always believed at the end of the day, Satoshi Kojima would do the right thing. And I just I just had faith. And for me, this match was a solid 50-50. So that's why you felt going in, right? That that there was a, it could go either way. It was a coin flip, man. I yeah, I wish I had that much faith. My my faith in the promotion, I think, being destroyed uh, in recent months. That the sort of total anarchy that the locker room appeared to be in, like really, I mean, I was shaken. And I I don't agree. I guess w- with your thinking that that they have a long term plan. I mean, to me. I'm okay. I'm I'm going all over the place here. I'll try to tackle these things one at a time. So, yes, Kojima, an absolute pros pro, a fucking professional. And he did great business here. He put Kano over the right way. He really really likes Kano, I've heard. And this was an awesome match, really great. Like definitely like a must see if you're uh looking at like you know, what do I need to watch this year? Like this is, this is on that list for sure, both in terms of match quality and because of the significance of it. Um, it's not Cano's first title reign. And uh, so it's not, um, I guess on that level of importance, but like, but it's huge. I mean, because you know, it's, it does give us some hope in terms of like, maybe all this shit with these old guys thinking that they run the place and that they're the top draws and they need to be in the top spots. And I'm not talking about Kojima. 
you know who I'm talking about there. I'm talking about yeah, Muda, talking yeah, about yeah. Funaki, talking about Kaz Fujita, talking about Hideki Suzuki. Um, all these these cats, right? Um, this signals that maybe, hopefully, I pray to God that we are shifting away from that. That whatever that plan and strategy was, like, has been sort of, we found out that, hey, this is not necessarily the way. And so we're moving forward now. Uh, and so I was, I was, I don't remember the last time I've been this surprised, DJM, at a wrestling result. I, I honestly don't remember. I was floored. Totally now stunned, duck. Totally happy. I do feel like he's a transitional champion, though. I feel like this is like you. This is a way to get the belt on Kaito. Now I will ask you a, a two-part question here. Keno is your guy. Mm-hmm. When you watch the match, tell me how it how it felt for you to see Keno win the title. Oh, incredible! Incredible! I was I I didn't know what to do with myself. I mean, because. So I've seen some guys that I really, really like win the title, uh, like, you know, like Hangman or Will Ospreay or Kenny Omega. But in the lead up to that, there was like this natural build. And so I had anticipation and it was like I sort of half expected it, but it was still thrilling. This just blindsided me. I felt like I've been hit by a bus almost. I was like, it took the wind out of me. It was that kind of surprise, like an unexpected, like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. <laughs> like, and it was, it was great. It was great. I was so happy for him and happy that, uh, Kojima, um, again, put him over the right way. And it really felt like, uh, that he endorsed the kid, the kid. He's the 37 year old man, but you know <laughs> He's what I the mean? same age as us. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, uh, but yeah, it was incredible. It was awesome. Great moment for him. Maybe that's why Keno's so grumpy all the time. He's a he's a millennial like we are, and and <laughs> the world is falling apart around him. I don't blame him. I, I have to say, yeah. I do not blame him one bit. Um, but so, so yeah. Are you? Do you agree with me that this is? This seems like a, probably a short, a shorter term reign. You know, we're not looking at like a year here. We're looking at, you know, maybe he puts the belt on go to put the belt on Kaito or he puts the belt directly on Kaito. I feel like they have a lot of faith in Keno. He's the leader of a faction for a reason. And they clearly have more faith in him than Nakajima right now. Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if Keno holds the title till the Budokan Hall show in January. I would not be surprised. Yeah. So, so and I would imagine uh, he'll have a couple of solid title defenses by then. Mm-hmm, and for sure. Kaito Kiyomiya will win the N1 or should win the N1. And we'll have our big money match uh, January 1st at the Budokan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would love that. And I, pr- I pray to God it draws <laughs> so that yeah, the, seriously, the, so that the office doesn't get scared off. Uh, 
You know, I mean, it's not just this office. I mean, you know as well as anyone, the pro wrestling Noah has a history of just being extremely gun shy and and pretty easily spooked when young guys don't draw. They are right. They got a short leash <laughs> for that. So, but yeah, I mean uh, that that would be my ideal my ideal result. Um, now, I. This is a nice transition. We've been talking a lot about Kaito Kiyomiya. Uh, I, I think, yes, he definitely should win the N one. He's the future. I mean, he he's a stud. He's he is the ace of the company's future. But chosen by Mitsuharu Misawa himself. But I mean, I think there's a distinct possibility that his drawing potential uh, has been hurt. And some of the faith and belief, not all of the faith and belief, because you still see plenty of Kaito signs and the little green glow sticks. Uh, But some of it, I think, I think has been hurt. I think that the last year and a half, however long it's been since Muto rolled up into town and beat the kid in a singles match, uh, and that from then on, uh, they were trying to tell this story that, in my opinion, hasn't paid off. It hasn't paid off along the way. Uh, I think at every turn he's been hurt. And now, even at this show, I think getting the win over Kejimudo, I think the way that it happened was not good at all for Kaito and it is because of I'll just say it and I I know I'm talking about wrestling royalty here and I know I said a lot of mean things about Muto but it was such a contrast with the world title match we talked about and Kojima being such a pro Keiji Muto was a fucking disgrace he is absolutely just a piece of shit who does not give one single shit about Kaito Kiyomiya and getting him over. He doesn't give a shit about pro wrestling Noah and their long-term future. He cares about Keiji Mudo, Keiji Mudo's legacy, and Keiji Mudo's bank account. Do you, did, did, have you seen this match yet? Because I want to, if you haven't, I want to describe for you the, the finish. I saw the finish. I oh did see the finish. Oh my god. I mean, well, I yeah, just want to was... bring up some highlights for the audience yeah. then who may not have seen it. So, yeah. I mean, throughout the match, Kaito is busting his ass. Um, What an athlete. I mean, he really, really just worked so hard, (laughs) so hard uh, to sell everything. And the finish is not, uh, you know, the the tiger suplex that he often uses, but he put Keiji Muto in the figure four. Um, I'm not a Mudo scholar. Is the figure four a Keiji Mudo signature move? It is sort of a New Japan signature. Uh, Muto did it uh, because I, I guess spiritually he took it from Ric Flair uh, in the NWA. Uh, Tanahashi for a while also did it in the idea that he spiritually took it from Muto. Uh, hmm. So it, it's more of a New Japan move more than anything else. Specifically, the Dragon Screw Leg Whip transition into hmm. the figure four leg lock gotcha gotcha well this makes total sense and so this is why 
this move was the finish. And it's why Kaito has done it because he has over the last year plus shed his sort of uh, Misawa-esque green robes, shed his blonde hair, and has donned the the look and the guise of, uh, you know, 2000s Keiji Muto. So he looks like him. Now, he wants to do moves like him. He wants to beat him with his own shit. I but. will say, I was a big fan of 2000s Keiji Muto. I thought he was still in his 40s, one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Mm-hmm. Even with no knees. He, he, he was excellent. But if I were to say anything to Kaito Kiyomiya, it would be this. You're a Noah guy. <laughs> no. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Now, granted, Goshiozaki has also adopted the yes. emerald aesthetic, and he dyed his hair blonde for, for a while as well. So maybe he just doesn't want to be seen as sort of a, a second... Noah slash Misawa spiritual successor because Goshiozaki was the original spiritual successor of Kenta Kobashi and Misawa's successor was actually Naomichi Marafuji. Right. And the the last ace that Misawa chose was Kiyomiya. <laughs> and that's why he adopted that. And it just yeah. makes me so remember. Tell, tell Goshiozaki to pick a different outfit if you're worried about that. <laughs> I mean, Sawa chose me, man. You put the hoodie on and you dress up like Kenta Kobashi. Like, give this to me. I'm the future ace. He's to assert himself here. <laughs> I am in complete agreement. And I have no problem with Kaito Kiyomiya still working and finding himself because he's still a lot younger than a lot of people on professional wrestling television and a lot younger than a lot of people that are in prominent positions. He's still finding himself as a wrestler, and I get that. Maybe he needs an excursion. Maybe oh, he I needs d- to I go elsewhere. So I, I think he's re- he's ready to me. Like I, I, I t- I'm I mean, not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing okay, with you okay. on that. But I feel like if he's gonna do something, don't do Muto, especially if you're a Noah guy. I know if you're a I Noah just- guy listening to the wrong people <laughs> but so i, I want to finish describing this finish because I, I just i have to i have to get it out of me it's like bile so kiyomiya puts muto in the figure four and kiyomiya is slapping the mat you know he is crying out he is leaning into it it looks like he's the one in pain because <laughs> muto looks in about as much pain as I like, I don't know. He's like straining to lift a bag. Like he's looking off into the crowd. Doesn't look particularly aggrieved. Just kind of laying there sitting up. He's not even laying down, just not selling for the kid really. And then he doesn't even have the decency to tap out. I mean, let alone lay the shoulders down for the one, two, three. He doesn't tap out. He just grabs the referee's wrist and is like, yeah, okay, that's it. I'm done. 
verbal submission, rolls out of the ring, does not sell the leg injury whatsoever, and starts to walk away. Kaito celebrating his big win. Oh my God, this is so huge. Like, and then you can see a look on his face. Like he notices that Keiji Muto's not in the ring. And he's like, oh my God, like what's happening? Where is he? Because if I don't get the endorsement from this guy, none of this means anything. And so he has to run into the crowd to find him because <laughs> Keiji Muto's in such a hurry to get the fuck out of there. And Kaito's, there's no, none of like, it wouldn't have killed Keiji Muto to stay in the ring. There's no bowing from Keiji Muto to him, no acknowledgement, no handshake. Kaito is bowing deeply and Muto doesn't even face him. He doesn't even make eye contact with him. He is walking towards the dressing room. He sort of half turns and pats Kaito on the shoulder like you would a dog and then walks away. I mean, I I was incensed. I I just couldn't believe it. Like I knew Muto was selfish, right? And cared about, you know, being the man and stuff. But I just, I, I could not believe he would not help this kid out. Like, what are you? It just, he's just so deluded, man. It it just made me so upset. It it really, like, that's not how you do professional wrestling. It's just not. It's, I agree. I completely agree. I'm not here to defend Keiji Muto because the Keiji Muto of 2002, like, that was 20 years ago, literally. Um, so I'm not here defending him and he, he, he did worse things than I've ever seen Hulk Hogan do. He did what I'm going to call some WCW shit. Like when WCW <laughs> was really at its worst with right. Kiyomiya and it was bad. Now, just a second ago, I was just looking around and I took a look at the global Twitter account for Pro Wrestling Noah at Noah Global. And I came across the post match interview that Keiji Muto did uh, after the match. And, and I'm just reciting this for posterity. I'm not making a judgment or, a, or an opinion. Here's Muto after the match. Kiyomiya can use dignified techniques and my techniques well. As a reward for defeating me, my dragon screw, figure four, shining wizard, I'll give them to him. Subtle Doctor, your thoughts? Uh, thanks a lot. Sure. You, great. Amazing. Uh, I'm sure he'll have fun using them in in the mid card for years to come. You, you selfish old fucker! <laughs> Can't you bow to the kid? Can't you bow to him? Can't you shake his hand in the ring and raise his arm? Because he just beat your ass! <laughs> like, oh my god! Like, haven't you done enough to him? You gotta. Oh. I mean, it's fine. That's a nice gesture. But it's like, I mean, even the fact that this was his first retirement match and not his last tells you that Muto just wanted to get this shit out of the way. That he doesn't he doesn't really care about it that much. So whatever, man, he he might just be that old and busted, too. I guess he he just wants out because he's he's busted and broken. 
Well, he's got what five more matches. Um, yeah, just about. So you're, I bet you're get so. I want to say that the way that the contracts and the timeline works is that his last match is uh for is to the highest bidder. Do you think Noah gets that? Or do you think New Japan gets that? What do you think happens? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> oh man. Yes. <laughs> I just want to give more praise to Satoshi Kojima, really. But we can't do that because yeah. we've got to talk about the N1. Yes. Yes. N1 uh, starts August 11th, I want to say, and they've released the brackets. Um, I don't know if the G1 will be over by then. The way the G1 schedule works, it seems like it's going to go on forever. Uh, but that should be roughly around the time it's wrapping up, if not over. We got the blocks, DJM. Um, would you like do. me to read the blocks? By all means, sir. Okay, so this is a 16-man uh, round-robin-style tournament. It is your, for, for those who don't know, it's your, Noah's version of the G1. They used to be called the much cooler-sounding Global League, uh, but now it's the N1, which is, that's fine. Uh, so you got two blocks of eight. Uh, block A. Cano, GHC heavyweight champion, Cano, Kazuyuki Fujita, (laughs) Go Shiozaki, Masato Tanaka, Masaki Mochizuki, who apparently just is just not going back to Dragon Gate ever. Um, Hideki, oh, Suzuki, nope. no, Hideki Suzuki, uh, El Hijo de Dr. Wagner Jr., and surprisingly, Anthony Green. Yeah, good for him. Um, yeah, it's a nice little spot for him. I mean, if he's going to get to wrestle like some really, really excellent wrestlers. I mean, this is this is a nice little opportunity. It's it's odd, uh, but you know, you got to think either this guy or one of the guys we'll talk about in B block is taking Michael Elgin's spot. I'm sure he was going to be in this at one point in time, but that guy's loss is uh, Anthony Green's gain. So I hope he makes the most of it. Um, Any matches you're looking forward to here? Any predictions about who you think is coming out of the block? If it were up to me, Fujita would go zero. He'd get a big fat donut. Um... I feel like the match in particular that I'm looking forward to in the A block is probably going to be Keno versus Masato Tanaka. Mm. That's just a, a hard hitting, angry bastard of a champion versus an immortal, seemingly invulnerable unstoppable force of nature that seemingly rises from the dead in Masato Tanaka, who somehow looks exactly the same as he did in the nineties. So it's so dumb. (laughs) I'm looking forward to Keno doing everything he can to just absolutely obliterate Tanaka and him somehow just getting up from it all. Yeah. Yeah. That match is going to be great. Uh, a lot of great guys in this say, Yeah, I will also say, uh, no, I think, no, Funaki's in B block. Okay, that, yep. that's that's what I'll say. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, another chapter in the storied Kano versus Mochizuki rivalry. Mm. Um, 
we saw them, you know, have a little, a, a nice little match over the national title last year. I think, yes, I think Mochizuki's the one who took it from Kano. Mm-hmm. So that should be, I mean, the ageless wonder Mochizuki, honestly. Um, I've, I've got there are a lot uh, of ageless wonders in Noah, like guys who just <laughs> somehow keep going. Masato exactly. Tanaka, Mochizuki. Yes, I will throw Funaki in there as well. Uh, Kojima. Just, Kojima, too. Yeah. It's so listen. So don't call me an ageist, people. It's not th- <laughs> that he's old that I hate Keiji Mudo. It's, it's that he's, other reasons. <laughs> it's that he's Hoganing everybody. Yes, he's very Hoganing. Hard. Um, I, I'm going to say, um, that Shiozaki comes out of this block, uh, because I, I don't know, like I always hesitate to pick champions in co- going to the finals or semifinals. I don't know why. They rarely do in these tournaments. They rarely do. Yeah. It's, and it seems like smart booking to set up title challengers through the tournament uh, and they pick up losses. And so you don't have them, uh, in the later stages, but I, I'm going to take go. Um, coming out of this block, block B. Oh wait, sorry. Do you, did you have a hmm. prediction here? Out of the A block, if it were me booking, it would be, despite what I just said a second ago, out of the A block, it would be Kazuyuki Fujita. <laughs> what? What is this heel turn? And when we get to the B block, I'll explain why. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Here here is the aforementioned B block. Masakatsu Funaki. Kaito Kiyomiya, the supernova. Katsuhiko Nakajima, the dark ace. In the doghouse. Takashi Sugira, the killing machine. Masa Kitamiya. Satoshi Kojima. Timothy Thatcher and Jack Morris. So (laughs) as as I had to realize, this is, in fact, not the Detroit Tigers pitcher of the 1980s. (laughs) But this is actually a young man from Scotland who who has been wrestling in the Scottish independence scene fairly regularly and just making his way all over Europe kind of coming out of nowhere not unlike Ninja Mac in the junior division Mm. but he was picked up by pro wrestling Noah and will be participating in this tournament you know whoever is doing Noah's talent scouting they're they're definitely looking in places that that are usually off the beaten path and I kind of respect that they're they're going outside of the norm which is kind of cool Anthony Green, Jack Morris, and there's another one. You Ninja Mac, Dante Leo from GCW or Noah. So crazy. Um, yeah, well, that's thank you for the uh, I don't think you're going to get that primer anywhere else, honestly, because the only reaction I've seen to Jack Morris is who uh, or what's a Jack Morris. Right. I mean, I had no idea. So, OK, Scottish indie guy. Very cool. Um Excited to see uh, what this guy brings. I mean, I, I totally like have no expectations. He could be terrible, and Sugira could beat the shit out of him for being terrible, or he could be awesome and be a great fit here. So, and Sugira see. will beat the shit out of him for being and awesome. He'll do it anyway, exactly. 
Thank you. Um, all right. So any Love matchups you're looking at? Uh, oh, man. Yes. Another ageless <laughs> wonder. Uh, so uh, any matches you're looking forward to here and who you think's coming out of the B block? Um, I am looking forward to Masakatsu Funaki versus Takashi Sugiura. Uh, I am looking forward to Ace versus Ace, Kiyomiya versus Nakajima. Yes. And I will also say that I am looking forward to Timothy Thatcher versus Masakatsu Funaki. That'll be really fun. We're, we're going to see some, some Pancre Shuto in that <laughs> match, and I'm looking forward to it. As long as Funaki's up for it, that should be a really fun match. Oh, definitely. He, he'll be up for it. Funaki wants the smoke. He always does. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you took my most anticipated match, you know, Kaito Nakajima, easily for me. Like, going to be incredible. But a person that I am very curious to see how they do in this spot here is Masa Kitamiya. Uh, he's someone who I always feel like they're that Noah is sort of on the verge of giving a little push to um, him and Inamura. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Who um, who's not in this tournament. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Is he injured? Was he on the, the big show? Sure. Did I just miss him? Because I'm really, not sure. Yeah, I haven't heard much talk of Inamura, so I'm going to have to do some digging and figure out uh, what's up with Inamura. Because yeah, that's another guy that's like, wow, you got a you got a stud there. But yeah, Kitamiya. I mean, you know, wrestling his uh, his former tag partner Nakajima. That should be a really fun thing to revisit. Uh, he's the reason Nakajima cut that long curly hair because uh, of their cage mm. match last year, which that's was right. a, a great little match. So, yeah, Kitamiya, how will he do? You know, how will he do against Kojima? Uh, will, I will Funaki one, respect him? <laughs> we'll see. I will throw one more out there, and that's Sugiura versus Satoshi Kojima. Oh, yeah, that'll be awesome. That, I believe that would qualify as big, meaty man slapping meat. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. That'll be excellent. Yeah. Um, we both got Kaito coming out of the block, yes? Yes, yes. Kaito okay. Kiyomiya wins the B block. Now, <laughs> I will go back to the A block and why I made the booking decision that I did. Number one, as you said, Doc, Keno is going to need some title matches during his reign. <laughs> one of them should be Kazuyuki Fujita to where Keno absolutely kicks the shit out of him. Kano said said on Twitter, that's the opponent he's looking forward to the most. Yeah. How you feel about Keiji Muto is how I feel about Kazuyuki Fujita, Doc. That's how I feel. And while I'm very much Noah main army, I would have no problem with the whole of Congo just leaving Fujita an unconscious bloody mess. Oh, and to so leave good. Noah forever. <laughs> I would have no problem with that. Just eject him from the building. Right. Like, throw oh. him out like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like this scenario. I love this. So, do so you want him to get humiliated in uh, in the final? In a title there. defense. Okay. Uh, number two, I believe that the final of this match is 
of this tournament should be Kaito Kiyomiya beating Kazuyuki Fujita. That's what I want to see. That that would be like, you know, we're sorry for all our transgressions and letting these old guys run amok and steer the arc. Uh, We, we, put the wheel back in the hands of the chosen. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I could, right. I could be into that. See doc, that there's a method to my madness. He's going to have to swallow a lot of shit though. I don't, I don't know how he, <laughs> how likely he will be to do that. He's yeah, I'll just pay he's him. Another one. Just pay him. <laughs> I guess, I guess. <laughs> Didn't he like, uh, fuck up Nakajima's eardrum? Yes, he did. Cause he's an asshole. <laughs> Yes, he is. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nakajima's a little bastard, but he is. You know. He is. And always has been. It's true. It's true. That that's why Akiyama, Jun Akiyama got in his ass. He did. He did. He got chewed out by Uncle June. Uh I was delighted that that, that, that wasn't cut from the broadcast or anything like that. That made me so happy. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Okay, uh, you want to hop uh, across the Pacific to AEW? Let's head back to the good old US of A and talk about all elite wrestling. Now, Doc, we had been talking in our DM how... Do you remember when Adam Page was feuding with CM Punk and he talked about worrying that he was losing his AEW and it turned out he lost? Yes. That's kind of how I have felt recently with AEW. Mm-hmm. I feel like AEW is kind of shying away from its indie wrestling roots in the favor of mainstream superstar pro wrestlers and doing very serious pro wrestling as how some people believe it should be presented. And my basis of this is the Blackpool Combat Club and John Moxley, who I think is fantastic generally. Yes. But they are presenting him as just this super intensely serious guy. When in reality, during his first run as AEW world champion, yes, he did that. But every once in a while, they would let him show off his comedic chops, which he does have. But I'm seeing a lot of very super serious pro wrestling from AEW until recently when it seemed like the dynamite that was in Atlanta, uh, Rampage, they were allowing AEW to be a little bit more fun and a little bit more being the elite and a little bit less road to, if you know what I mean. Mm. And... I like that AEW allows itself to be a little silly now and then because pro wrestling at its core is very silly and we shouldn't run away from that in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Okay. I totally, you know, I respect I respect this stance. Um I will say that you and all the listeners probably know what I prefer. I prefer like on balance, a sports like serious professional wrestling. Now, that is what I prefer. But I think over and above everything, 
you, you've just said something that that's and something clicked in my head. I think I prefer when a wrestling promotion is true to itself. Um, wrestling promotions, different ones have different DNA. Things will work in one promotion and not work in another. Um, we just talked about pro wrestling. No, it has a very distinct style and there are certain wrestlers who will thrive there in that style and in that kind of milieu and aesthetic, uh, because of what Noah is. AEW, I mean, it's only three years old, but it has its own style. It has a DNA. And as you said, it's kind of like it's suffused with not only, uh, you know, the, the five star, uh, you know, PWG long athletic intense match kind of thing, uh, but also the indie silliness. It's always been a part of it. Uh, from the very beginning, um, because it's always been a part of the folks who created it and who really spearheaded it, being you know the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Cody Rhodes. And so, it is a shame, I think, if they totally get away from that. Um, I don't think wrestling has to be a variety show, but I think AEW has a great variety of talent and has fans that appreciate a variety of different things happening. Um, and, you know, <laughs> as, as much as I love my uh, Blackpool Combat Club, I said it before on the show, I think, uh, David, I love my Danhausen too. Uh, and I think and, there's a and place I love for John both. Silver. Yeah, and, sure. I think there's a place am, for both. I am the biggest Brian Danielson fan you will find, but I also love John Silver. There's sure. absolutely a place for both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, this is part of why, like, I took so long coming around on House of Torture in New Japan Pro Wrestling, just because. And I mean, look, there's 50 years of history there. So maybe there was a period where a similar kind of like heat magnet heels ran roughshod over people that I just don't know of. But it just seemed so like something that belonged like in Dragon Gate. Like it didn't fit my idea of what New Japan Pro Wrestling was supposed to be. Um, But I've since kind of, you know, really accepted it. I'm in the acceptance phase of grief and it is what it is. And, and that's fine. So, so yeah, uh, give John Silver time, give Orange Cassidy time, give the dark order, uh, room, um, give Dan Housen time. Uh, I, I think AW is all the better for it. And I think that American wrestling fans would burn out on, you know, all nail chewers uh, all the time and and i'm waving the yellow flag on exactly that that's exactly what i'm waving the flag for but it's a yellow flag not a red one okay at least at least i'm glad that they kind of brought you back because you were pretty down on the dynamite of like the first fighter fest episode yeah yeah it, it just felt very very dry to me but uh, Atlanta put some seasoning on and, and kind of recooked things with some with some oil and some seasoning and and it worked out because that's what Atlanta does. <laughs> that's what they TL do. You just hate 
previous futures pick, Konosuke Takeshita, I think, is real is is the real thing. <laughs> Doc. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, David. Aggressively fine oh, is how I would describe no. Konosuke Takeshita. No. No, come on. He is better than that. He's he is, better than that. You saw that Dragon did, Gate tag with Seema that we that we watched. He was great. Yeah. Here's the thing. He's supposed to be the ace, right? Of right. DDT. Yes. I think of a lot of other dudes in DDT over the years who have something distinct to them. I think about when someone is dubbed an ace of a promotion. Kento Miyahara is distinctive. Mm-hmm. Hiroshi Tanahashi is distinctive. Mm-hmm. Kazushika Okada is distinctive. Yoshiozaki, Kaito Kiyomiya, they all have something that is distinct to them. I'm struggling to find what makes Konosuke Takeshita unique. Hmm. I just see him as a really good wrestler, but he's yeah. not a special wrestler. He he does have the DDT comedic thing, but that's not really a thing that you can just bust out in AEW. That's a very specific thing for a specific audience. I um, mean, you could do that on Dark. You definitely could. Sure, I suppose. Um, but no, I mean, this is a good point that you raise, like just in terms of his presentation. Um, you know, he is in a, in a foreign land. Uh, so I guess he's also just sort of following uh, the orders of the booker, you know, do this kind of thing. We want you to, to be this. We want to present you this way. Um, it's a little bit of an excursion, I guess. Um, but the thing is, is that on his independent shows, he's not really doing much different. He's just <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. He does it well. I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's bad. I'm just saying he feels a little bit like a blank slate right now. He needs a hook, a gimmick, if you will. Okay. Did you see his match with Mike Bailey? Yes. From... Was that from West Coast or Warrior? One of the two. I can't remember. One of the two. Yeah, that was, was that match was awesome. But yeah, like he's. I mean, it was a really, really good match. But yeah, okay. Well, interesting. This is a surprise addition to the the run sheet. Some bonus uh, Konosuke Takeshita talk. Um, and I, I have no rebuttal. I have no rebuttal. He is a, a very, very fine professional wrestler, and uh, a lover of the ladies. Uh, bodybuilder type, I think. Uh, and that's all I know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hopefully he can add some more, some more when elements he, to his when game. When he finds like a spark that makes him different from everybody else, that's when I will say I'm on board. Like, I felt the same way about Kazuchika Okada when he came back from his excursion. They just kind of threw the title on him immediately. And I was Mm -hmm. kind of like, eh. And over time, it it 
started to settle in like, oh, OK, I see it now. Uh, and then I became a, a believer in the Rainmaker around 2017. And I, I'm I'm willing to have an open mind with Takeshita, but I'm just not seeing it yet. I'm not seeing his spark yet. Yeah, you you might prefer the sort of uh, uh, the other side of the coin, sort of dark ace ish kind of guy. Uh, his I think he's a contemporary of Takeshita that they came on together in DDT, Tetsuya Endo, uh, much kind of broodier, oh, yeah. darker. I do or, like Tetsuya Endo. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of a of a high flyer kind of guy than a like striker suplexer type. Um, I, I do like Tessia Endo. That that is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's also he's on the same kind of uh, level in DDT. So maybe maybe you prefer him. Maybe they should have maybe they should have got him to come over. <laughs> um, and then he wouldn't he would have been saved of the humiliation of being slap KO'd by Nakajima. If he was in America. Can I talk again about how much I love June Akiyama? <laughs> you can always talk about how much you love Uncle June on this podcast. It's it's me and Eddie Kingston. We, we're just spreading the gospel of how great June Akiyama is. Me, me and Eddie Kingston. And, and that's all that matters. Are you, um, let's are you subscribed to his YouTube channel? I've checked it out now and then. I have checked it out every now and then. He he talks about his cats. He and, loves cats. And he'll be driving around and, and sometimes <laughs> he'll have his do-rag and sometimes he won't. Good stuff. <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. I love it. All right. Sorry, I interrupted you. Get us to our next right. topic. <laughs> let's let's stick with AEW for a little bit. Now I will let you take this one on, Doc. I'm gonna let you lead in. But then I'm going to offer a quick rebuttal, and I will let you bounce back. Okay. Well, this is an old chestnut, so this is not going to blow anybody's minds here. It's probably not a very hot take, but I was really struck by it uh, this week, or the last couple weeks, honestly, because um, I've been watching Impact Wrestling. Uh, DJM, did you know that Impact is back? That's what I've heard. Impact is back. It's, it's really... Uh, it's things are happening there. It's it's become a it's solid what, little show. Yeah, what I hear. Yes, what I hear. So and over an impact, I think that they have a really interesting women's division. Now they have for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I will say when I've gone in and out with Impact, their women's division has been pretty consistent. Yes. Yes. Now I I am not going to say that I think it is more talented than AEW's a few years ago. I might have said that. I don't think that's the case anymore. AEW's women's division has a superior level of talent. However, I was watching impact and this week's episode of impact opens with a women's tag match. It's Chelsea green and Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, tagging against, oh, goodness me, I've forgotten who, which is really bad when I'm talking about <laughs> the women's division. It's because Green and Perrazzo won, and I really like them. Um, but they were in a tag match, and it was the opener. And I was like, huh, 
because I haven't watched Impact in a little while. I've, I've been mainly consuming AEW when it comes to American <laughs> wrestling. It's like, this is weird. Why is this weird? Oh, it's because it's the first match on the card. And it was also weird because after the entrances were over, oh, it was against Jordan Grace and Mia Yim. Uh, okay. Against the Hasset and Mia Yim. Uh, who's, the Hasset is women's champion right now, and I am all for this. Uh, but yeah, so the fans are cheering and standing and generally giving a shit about the match itself, about big spots in the match, about comebacks, about near falls. And I was thinking, man, this is just so weird. Like, I don't, I don't see this in AEW. David, I see women's matches. I see the crowd get very excited for the entrances when it comes to Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, maybe Hikaru Shida. But then when the matches are happening, they don't really care. Uh, And the matches are always happening in quarter hour seven. It's never the opener. It's never the main event. You know, rare occasions uh, when you have like, you know, your Baker Rosa lights out situation. Um, But otherwise, all women's promos, all women's matches, well, one women's match a week, uh, relegated to our quarter hour seven. And I think that they have really done a lot of damage by doing this. I think, you know, the, the women's division was down for a long time. Because of injuries, the pandemic, they couldn't bring over talent, all the stuff that us and a million people have talked about. And so maybe their offerings perhaps were not as good as they are now. The level of talent has certainly increased. But they've continued to keep these women's segments in this one particular time period in the show. And I think that they're training fans that they don't have to pay attention to this, that this quarter hour of the show is bathroom time, that it's, oh, whatever, You know, I see Britt Baker's entrance and then who cares? Like even really hot crowds of dynamite, I feel like are just not into these matches that are happening. And some of them, I think, are really, really good. Now, I will give the Atlanta crowd credit. I think at one moment in the tag match this week when Jade Cargill finally faced off with Athena, I think some fans got up for that. Uh, They did. This this has been a a well-built confrontation. Um, and so what I would really like to see is I would like to see Dynamite, like, break this structure. Like, it feels like the women's stuff is in, just pardon my language, like a ghetto of this quarter hour that is always the lowest rated, no matter what the match is. Um, and always just seems like the live crowd tunes out. But give a women's, uh, give a women's match an opening spot. I'm not saying that to throw them all in the main event all the time, although that would be nice to happen more than once a year, but give them an opener Uh, spice, you know, things up, like give them the first promo segment. Uh, And I mean, it feels like maybe I'm asking too much here. If I ask for more than one women's match a show, because this is just an enormous roster. I know it's difficult to, to book everyone. But I think that that would actually help uh, get people more interested. If you saw the women's match as an opener, if you're there to see Dynamite and it's the first match of Dynamite, I think you're going to be pumped and you're going to be cheering and you're going to be into it. 
no matter who it is, because it's Dynamite live on TBS, baby. Here we go. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that would really, really help the women's division. And and I'm I'm kind of uh, bummed out that that this current sort of format and structure of presenting it this way continues. OK, so I'm going to take all of that and pull out a little microcosm of it. There is someone on the AEW women's roster that started off not so great and fans let AEW know that she was not very great but I've kept an eye on her Anna J I've made a concerted effort to continue to watch her work since coming to AEW and I feel like she has consistently improved since appearing in AEW for the first time. She's shown that she can do different characters, different alignments, and she can have good matches with different talents and different people. And I think it kind of bothers me that nobody is really noticing this. And I'm going to make the point that a lot of wrestling fans are doing uh, rather than enjoying what's happening on the show. They're hyper fixating on what isn't or what they have in their heads. Uh, it seems like a lot of wrestling fans have already made up their mind on Anna J to where her first few matches are what she's always going to be. Uh, you can even say that about Jade Cargill to a degree. There, there are mm. still some wrestling fans who say that her first few matches on television are what she's always going to be. And I think that there are going to be segments of AEW fans who look at the women's division and will continue to say that's just always what it's going to be. If that were the case, we wouldn't have a TBS championship. Uh, if that were the case, we wouldn't have Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm as a tag team. Maybe there's a women's tag team titles under the under the umbrella. I don't recommend it, but maybe it's happening. I just think that I'm seeing more of these little things that is happening with AEW's women's division and that there is more good than people might be seeing because they're so fixated on the quarter hour segments because in this current wrestling space, so many people are so obsessed with the quarter hours, the age demographics, the ratings, the ratings, the ratings. But when I watch the show, I'm seeing good things happening. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I'm a thousand percent like in agreement with this. And I, I, that's why I, I think that the women's division is very talented. I, I love uh, what's happening there. I like the roster. I like a lot of the stories that are going on and the character development and progression. It's all fantastic. I just don't know why the, the fans aren't into it is, is uh, that's my thing that I want uh, to change. I, I think I just want like, 
other people to I notice these I've, improvements that I, we're <laughs> noticing, right? Like why I know I've mentioned why I believe that is the case. Mm-hmm. And it's because that the dentist, Roman Baker, is just kind of this cloud over the entire division. And yeah, but she, she hasn't been on TV in forever, right? Or exactly. hasn't been like seriously involved. Uh, exactly, a, Doc. Exactly. So you think that it's sort of uh, a lost cause that unless Baker is involved, that the fans won't care. Not just the fans, but Tony Khan. Okay. So that, yes, I I think this is what, this is what I want to key on. I think it's, how do I say this delicately? Right. Cause I don't want to be like, okay, Tony Khan doesn't care about the women's division. I think that would be, that would be an overgeneralized generalization on my part. I think that would be false. Uh, but I, I would like to see him give uh, give more care and time to it and, and have something different happening with it. Um, and I, yeah, for just for whatever reason, like he yeah, I mean, it feels like he has trained the fans to feel this way because he doesn't really feel strongly about it or as strongly as we would like him to feels like he needs to have it, you know, cause it's important and everything, but it doesn't feel like, uh, it doesn't feel like it's one of the like top 10 most important things in the promotion, which is very weird to me. Uh, I, I, they could, I feel like it could, I feel like a lot of people will just hear that, hear me say that and think, oh, it's because the women aren't good enough. I think that that is incorrect. I think that there are half a dozen women who could be in really, really compelling matches and stories and get over, uh, the way Brit has gotten over if they were given the runway. You know what I mean? Do you, do you agree here? 100%. 100%. And and this thing that you know you brought up about like AEW fans hyper fixating on the negative. I mean I think that that is so true about everything in the promotion. I mean I've been guilty of it too, but it it generally there's way more right than wrong with this promotion. Um and I just I don't know man. I, I would I would love I would love to see women's matches outside of quarter hour number seven. I would love to see women's promos outside of that quarter hour. I would love to see more than one match on the dynamite uh involving ladies. Uh and I think I think that, that would I think we got to to I think Tony Khan has to to shake things up so that the fans I don't know. So they break this sort of uh, subconscious cycle that always the women's matches are the lowest rated. Uh, always the live crowds are not into it. I encourage you all to pay attention to the live crowds during women's matches on Dynamite. Uh, look at past Dynamites and let's look at it going forward. See if I'm see if I'm just talking shit, you know, talking out of my ass or whatever, or see if you notice it too, because it, it really seems to let the air out of the balloon. And I don't know. I, I I wish it wasn't the case because I think the women are very talented in in AEW. Agreed, and I think we just both hope that more people, Tony Khan included, appreciate them for the talent that they are. 
Absolutely. Doc, I'll let you take it home and we can uh, wrap up on the G1. Yeah. So G1 check in. DJM, how much of the G1 Climax 32 have you seen? Doc, I'm going to let you wrap it up and check and uh, give us a check in on G1. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Understood. There's a lot of professional wrestling to watch and not everyone has the time to watch it. But the Cerulean Blue of New Japan uh, is my most favoritest thing. And so wouldn't be an episode of the Open Door Wrestling Podcast without a New Japan Pro Wrestling check-in. And the Grade 1 Climax is happening. Uh, I believe Day 4 wrapped up today, July the 23rd, uh, as we're recording this. And uh, I would like to talk about the tournament, but I don't want to talk about necessarily every single match and break it down that way. What I think I'm going to do is assign a letter grade, like or, or put these wrestlers in tiers. We've all seen the tier maker videos, people ranking their favorite anime waifus uh, or some such list of things. Uh, And the grades are going to be uh, from S, S being above all others, the special tier, the star tier, the top tier, A, B, C, and D. I'm not going to assign any Fs. I don't think anyone in the G1 is worthy of to be on the F tier, But, but there are some Ds. Let me tell you. <laughs> so going to go through these wrestlers in order and tier them up. So Kazuchika Okada, uh, the Rainmaker, giving him a B. Very solid performance against uh, Jeff Cobb and had a Yano match that I thought was pretty all right and watchable. So giving Okada a B. Jeff Cobb. Also given a B, he's only wrestled the one match against Okada, but I thought that that was a very, very good match. Not quite getting to four stars, I don't think. Maybe just four stars around that area, but that's worthy of a B. And I think Jeff Cobb has just improved so much since his first G1. I mean, he's now one of the favorites in any block he's in, and I think worthy of being so. Yano, Toriano, we're giving a C and moving on. Because he he's doing the Yano thing, and if that's for you, that's great. And you and you said there would be no Fs. <laughs> no, we're giving a C to Toroyano, and that's what we're going to do. Just moving on. Um, Archer, hmm. <sighs> Archer's a tough one to rank because he's only had the one match against kind of a shitty opponent. And so there wasn't a ton he could do to rescue the match. I think that before the tournament is over, he will climb higher. But I think I have to put him in the C tier now uh, hmm. because, because uh, he wrestled against Bad Luck Fale. Ah, uh, yeah. who, you can who only goes, do so much with that. He is anchoring the D tier. Uh, just looks like he does not give a shit anymore. Um, really just wants to go back to his dojo. And hang out, smoke more cigars. Um, yeah, a far cry from you know the the strong man of Bullet Club uh, from the, ten years ago, the, the underboss. Indeed, yes. Yeah, that, that's you know what. This is perfect. This is Rogue General Fale. Rogue yeah, General Fale, is. not underboss. Bad luck, Fale. Mm, yeah. 
Uh, we Tom know Waller, the difference. Yes. Uh, Tom Waller has not wrestled. So going to put him in, in a uh, Jonah. Oh, boy. Jonah's only wrestled against uh, – I think he wrestled against Toriano. And – I, I can't I can't put him in the D tier. He's like a C minor. He's at the bottom in the C tier. But I'm gonna put him in C tier because I thought it was it was fine. I wanted to see more, but it's it's really hard to judge because that was a very typical Yano match. Yano like got him counted out. That <laughs> that that kind of thing. Um, Jay White. Th- better thank his lucky stars. He's not in the C tier. He was elevated by his opponent in today's G1 to the B tier. Um, I thought he had a very average. Did you hear? He sold out the United Center (laughs) and Madison Square Garden. He he did do those things. Did you hear that? Did did, did he talk about it? it? Did did he mention it? Did did he mention it? Um, David, I watch his post-match promo from, from today. Um, his in ring. Did, did he mention that he sold out the United Center and Madison Square Garden? Did he mention it? I'm not going to say anything. I, I'm going <laughs> to let you watch his in ring post match promo and and tell me what you think. It was it was a promo. It was a special special promo. Mm. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. What's <laughs> Just one of the oddest things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> and this was night four, you said? This was night four. Yes, this was okay. from today. <laughs> I'm making a um, note. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, everybody listening, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jay White sold out the United Center at Madison Square Garden. I don't think he's mentioned it ever. Just breathe. Just breathe. I'm good. With the switch play, um, Sonata C tier, uh, not the bottom of the C tier, bang middle. Um, had a you know his he's only wrestled once. He wrestled Jay White. It was fine, um, but not very exciting. Tama Tonga. Oh man, Tama Tonga. The good he's bad a, guy. He's only wrestled the once against the crown jewel. Jim Chase no. Owens. Wow. And uh, it wasn't I feel like they have a better match in him. I'm gonna get I'm gonna put him in the C tier. Okay. I think okay. before the tournament's over, he will be higher than that. I I I really believe in babyface Tamatonga. And it seemed like it seemed like he was trying to have a really good match, but Chase was kind of <laughs> actively playing defense against that some of the time. Um I think if they wrestle ten more times that seven or eight of the matches are better than the one that they had in the G1, which is unfortunate. Um I, I would really like to see a lot more effort out of both of those guys for that that match. Um, so Tom is getting a C, but I expect he'll move up. Ishii, S. S tier. Uh, because 
he has had two incredible matches. He had a very good match. As he does. Yeah. I mean, maybe the best G1 performer of our lifetime in terms of match quality. Um, I think he'd probably be up there with just about anybody um, on the, like, the Melser scale. He, yeah, I mean, his first match was very good. The match he had today with Jay White, I mean, it elevated Jay to the B tier. It was that good. Uh, it was it was fucking amazing. Um, I did not. I thought it was going to be a long time before any match in the tournament surpassed uh, Zack Saber Junior versus Kenta because that was a grumpy ass Noah match. Just two dudes beating the shit out of each other. But this right on my alley. Yes, it was. Oh, I highly recommend that match. That's that's my second favorite match of the tournament. Just behind this. What Ishii night was that from? Match. That was night two. Night two. I'm mm-hmm. taking notes. Kenta was grumpy and just looked like he was mad at everything he had uh, from his match with Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. He has that huge scar on his back. He just looked gnarly. He's got one leg totally in a sleeve now. Um, looks like he's just red. He just wants to kick someone. And he and Zach were feuding about who was the senpai and who was the kohai. Uh, because I guess Zach was, uh, I don't know if a young boy is the right term or whatever for what he was in pro wrestling Noah, but Kenta was definitely the senior. And now the yeah. roles are flipped. So they were they were upset at each other about this. Tai Chi, the Black Emperor, I'm giving an A. He's hey! Which mm-hmm. means, is Miho Abe there? She is. That that should give him a bonus and put him in the S tier. <laughs> well, he can be in your S tier. And he may, well, you know, he may climb to the S tier. Because that match with Ishii, awesome. Awesome match. They have a, they have really good chemistry. And I... I love Chris Charlton does an excellent job of highlighting this whenever these two guys wrestle. Um, I I love that their feud. It's, it's like they are players in this generational feud that has been going on for longer than they've been wrestling. It's like uh, the Tenryu disciple versus the Kawada disciple, you know, that, that Mm. the the two schools are warring against each other still. Um, And I just, I love that dimension to the match. Uh, so that that match, I think, is uh, definitely one to watch as well. Uh, Okan, the Pancake Master, has not wrestled. So N.A. for him. Uh, Chase, you're going in the D tier, my friend. Uh, and it's not because I think he's like terrible or not capable. That makes one of us. <laughs> but I was just super disappointed with, with that effort with Tama Tonga. I mean, this is like... This is his shit. This is where he, where Chase Owens has some storyline in New Japan, like the Bullet Club splitting apart. Like he, he's the Bullet Club guy versus uh, the guy you kicked out. Like bring some heat, man. Bring some fire to the match. Good God. Chase Owens, <laughs> the dollar store Adam Page. <laughs> yeah, I said it. And they're both from Virginia. How they am are. I wrong? Yes, you're right. 
Oh, I feels like that's sort of an insult to Adam Page in some ways. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Hangman. That's definitely not an insult to you. Aaron Hanare. I almost said Toa Hanare. Uh, the weapon. He. Ooh, this is a tough one. Mm, you know what? I'm doing it. Fuck it. A. Putting him hey. in A. All right. That dude has had himself a really nice G1 so far. It's early days. He's had two matches against two great opponents. You know, that Tanahashi match, awesome. Perfect start. Like, and another pro's pro, right? Tanahashi putting over someone who, in terms of wrestling stature, far beneath him. But he He knows what's best for the wrestling business and best for him in the long term. Yes, he totally gets it. He's a pr- true pro. Uh, so that match was was really good. And he had he had an awesome match with Zack Sabre Jr. today. Um, I, I wouldn't rate it as highly as any of the like the top stuff I've, I've told you about, but it was really nice. I loved the story they told. It was um, it was almost like the Claudio match in some ways. Like Hanare was mm. like the big bruiser. Like he's biggest guy in the in the block, you know, he's going to muscle everyone around and he threw Zach around. But Zach uh, turned the tables on him in one quick second, twisted the leg and Hanari had the tap. Really nice little story. Um, Tanahashi has only wrestled the one time he's going to wrestle Tetsuya Naito tomorrow. Um, I'm putting Tana in the B tier. He had a very nice match with Hanare. Uh, and I expect him to have a very nice G1. I do not expect him to be in the mix at the end. Um, I expect the man who we talked about earlier with the big scar on his back to come for him <laughs> and ruin his mm. G1. <laughs> uh, evil. Uh, the G1. Evil. G1 has not been graced with the presence of evil yet. Uh, Hiroki Goto. Um, mm, uh, C tier. High C tier. If there was a Steve plus tier, I'd put him there. Um, he's had one match. He main evented night three uh, with, with Naito and it was fine. Honestly, I think it had some of the stank from night three on it. Cause that was a really terrible tournament day. Um, mm. And, and it was, it was the main event and it was fine, but I was like, give me something better. It, need, than fine it needed to lift the show. <laughs> yeah. It needed to lift the show up. I got gotcha. Somebody needed to, I mean, if you look at that lineup, like, you would think that someone would say to their opponent, like, Hey, like let's turn it on. Like we could really steal the show or, or we could, uh, we could really help the crowd go home happy or whatever, but it didn't happen. ZSJ. Hey, Hey, an awesome. He, he's my wrestler of the year. 2022. I, I, I can't argue with you here. I can't kill you on that. Cause he has had a fine, fine year and he's had two, just really great G1 matches. Kenta, he's only wrestled once, but I'm also putting him in. Uh, you know what? I'm putting Zach in S. Fuck it. Yeah. Redoing it. Zach is going in the S tier with Ishii because he really has had a really nice tournament. And he's uh, going to stop sleeping on Zach Sabre Jr. <laughs> damn it. He's 2-0. Oh. He's 2-0. and oh. He's in, at the top of the block. Damn um, right he is. And it and t- when you talk about the G one two and O feels extremely early, but they're a third of the way done. <laughs> they, he's only got uh, you know what are their uh, four blocks of seven, so he's they wrestle six matches. Um, 
not a lot of time to catch up if you fall behind. And if you get out to a big lead early, it's hard to catch you. Um, Kenta, I'm giving an A because he has he's had the one awesome match. Um, and the promos. And, oh, the his promos. promos are always gold. Wonderful. So good. Naito, uh, he shares Goto's fate uh, in the C tier. Um, that match was fine. Will, um, hmm. I'm going to put Will in the A tier. Okay. I, I loved his match with Phantasmo. I loved it a lot, but I think it might have faded from my memory a little bit. And that's why I'm only a fallible human being. Um, that match was awesome. ELP also going in the A tier. But the finish to that match, I, I think, was is something that's it's just remarkable. Like I've never seen the like of it. Uh, it. It was so cool. Did you? So you haven't seen this match? So uh, I I'll, saw the finish. Okay. I did see the finish. Yeah. So cool. How like that was exciting. That was exciting. He turned the os cutter into a backslide, like in the most smooth way possible. And how like one moment of begging the ref, like to count faster like they took that one moment for will to hit him with the hidden blade so cool um juice robinson i'm giving a b he would have he would have b plus uh if i if i was doing that people i don't know why people are so down on his match with shingo takagi really yeah it was the main event from night two people were very like well this was just a match like they didn't say it was bad or anything but they were like well it was whatever and there's like a lot of people out there saying like that there was like a botch in the finish or whatever and i'll tell you what i saw i saw juice try to pick up shingo but juice was just so tired and exhausted he could not lift the weight of shingo so he did a different move to finish him he did his other finisher Mm. and i'm good with that i thought it sold the the kind of circumstances of the match and and it was perfect with the the atmosphere and the story they were telling it looked hot as hell in that building sweat was flying off them they were just drenched and pouring they looked so tired and so i was perfectly good with like juice being too tired to hit his main finisher on Shingo. I thought that was great. Um, and they punched the shit out of each other too. So I was good with it. Um, Yoshihashi. Tacos in the A tier. Let's go. Give it him an A. He had a match with Shingo Takagi today. Oh my God. It was so good. <laughs> It was so good. Like, man, Yoshihashi is someone who all these dudes that I'm about to get to most of them that I want to call out. But your Fale's and your Chase Owens's. Look at Yoshihashi, man. This is someone who, like, was on the bubble. And after, like, 2017, 2018 G1s, people were like, this dude doesn't need to be in the G1 anymore. And it was like a public thing that commentary was talking about because he was not good. And then the last couple of years, my man has turned it on in this tournament. He and they really re- has. They rewarded him with these trios and tag title runs. They've rewarded that effort. And his matches have been 
really good. Now, he's not going to win a lot of them. But, man, he gives so much effort now in the G1. And this match with Shingo, which is the only matches he wrestled uh, so far, totally worth your time. I thought it was awesome. Shingo is such a generous pro wrestler. Like, he allows his opponents to always shine and always do what they do best and puts them in position to look as good as they can, even if they're going to lose, which Yoshihashi did lose to Shingo. But I thought he was going to (laughs) win. That was how good this was. (laughs) All of the things I say about Satoshi Kojima and Hiroshi Tanahashi, cut and paste Shingo Takaki. Speaking of, he's in the A tier. Heck yeah, he is. And it's only going to go higher. Yeah, he could. I mean, in the block he's in, could easily end up in this. I I thought both of his matches were great. I like the juice match. I said, love the uh, Yoshiashi match. He's in the A-plus tier. (sighs) Yujiro. The Tokyo Pimp. D. In the D tier, my friend. And we're moving on. Finlay in the D tier. Oh, oh, poor David Finlay. I'm going to talk about both of them together. Because I think that they wrestled each other. So I'll talk Mm. about them together. That's the one and only match they've been in. Show some more effort, guys. Finlay has wanted this for a long time. This is his first G1. He's been in the company for almost a decade. And you got to wrestle like you want to be back here next year. Next year, AEW is not going to have the injury crisis it has now. There's going to be more foreign participation in this thing from AEW. Maybe next year they'll want impact, guys. I don't know. This year they only wanted AEW. Tony Khan had a lot of injuries. So a lot of the guys on the bubble are back in. Your Ujiro's, your Finley's. Uh, I've heard Ishii and Yoshihashi, you know, where names floated that could be replaced by foreign talent. But Yoshihashi is fighting for his spot. Um, these two dudes are not. They really are not giving the effort that they need to give. And Yujiro, I expect it from. I was surprised that David Finley really kind of didn't show it to me, but it, he did have a match against Yujiro, so so maybe he'll maybe he'll deliver later. I <laughs> If his match against Juice is disappointing, then that will be that that'll be real bad because they're main eventing Cork and Hall. That should be a show. It should be. Yes, it's the G one. Everybody should step up their game, especially with this schedule. I mean, this is not like uh, you know ten years ago, seven years ago when you're wrestling nine matches and you're wrestling every other night. Some of these dudes haven't wrestled. Some of these guys are going to get a week off between tournament matches. And that's awesome. I love that. For the wrestlers, I think it's fantastic. Um, but man, it should it should spur some of these guys to really give more effort. So I don't know, man. They're in the D tier. Um, so that's that's the list. Uh I'll read back uh the tiers. S tier, we got Zach Saber Jr. We have Tomohiro Ishii in the A tier. We have Taichi. We have Aaron Hanare, Kenta, and Will Ospreay, Yoshihashi, and Shingo Takagi. The B tier. We got Juice Robinson. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi. 
and we have Jeff Cobb and Kazuchika Okada. The C tier, Toriano, Lance Archer, Jonah, Sonata, Tama Tonga, Hiroki Goto, Tetsuya Naito. The D tier, David Finley, Yujiro Takahashi, Chase Owens, and Bad Luck Fale. And there you have our update on the G1. There you have it. I think it. we covered everything there is to cover in professional wrestling for a while. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We we had things that we had to cut because we talked so much and so effusively about these other stories. So there's always there's always something fun going on to talk about in pro wrestling. And it can turn on a dime. So we'll be here to talk about whatever comes up. Uh, you can follow us collectively at Open Door Rest Pod. That's Open Door W-R-E-S Pod. Send us an email if you want to write something in long form at opendoorrestpod at gmail.com. Follow the Subtle Doctor at the Subtle Doctor on the social medias. Uh, Doc, what else have you got going on? I also do a filthy anime podcast. Uh, well, it's an anime first podcast, I should say. We cover anime, but we also cover uh, live action film, other animation games, whatever strikes our fancy. It's called What Are We Desho? Show? It's W A R U I D E S H. Are you guys talking about any good anime yet? Uh, we let's see. We have talked recently about. Uh, the Memoru Hosoda film Wolf Children, okay. uh, which, which I like quite a bit. Uh, and we talked about uh, before that Trigun, the Ooh, seminal like late 90s hit. The second best space western of that era. There were a lot of those in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. There were, that was a boom period for the space western in anime. Or at least three really good ones. <laughs> As for me, if you dare, you can follow me on Twitter at CallMeDJM. Uh, I host a podcast called The Promenade Merchants Podcast, where my co-host Heather Kirby and I talk about our collective love of Star Trek. There's a lot happening with the Star Trek franchise right now, so much so that I've kind of retired from anime, more or less. Uh, what I'm calling my final anime con, Otakon 2022, is looming. You'll see me talking about that. And then I will be returning to Starfleet full time. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at call me a DJM, where I do that. I do a sports podcast called Sports Odds and Ends with my buddies Kaz and JVZ. Uh, Record Breakers at Four Record Breakers with my buddy PD Rave and Drew Snyder. And that's a good if podcast. you want to follow me. Oh, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. We're looking for guests. So talk to PD, everybody, if you want to be a guest and talk about music. Uh, and until then, follow me at Call Me DJM. I'm very close to 1,000 followers. Support him. Bring him up to a, uh, an even grand. DJM deserves or it. Not. Or not. <laughs> I mean, I know some of y'all out there can't stand me, so y- you don't have to. Subtle Doctor, go home. DJM. Let's take it home. Everybody, happy wrestling. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>